Hello, kids. As part of our ongoing interview series, we've got a, a different voice today. And now that it is post-election, we're getting back to our regular series of shows and interviews. So for today, we're going to take a slightly different direction than you might, might think we would do. We're going to hear from a different voice today. One from the right side of the political spectrum or right wing of the political spectrum, to be more precise, because to say right side would indicate that there's a wrong side, and that's not necessarily what we're going for here. So, on with the interview. Our very first individual from the Conservative Party. Enjoy this. As promised, we have uh, a very good interview for you, which will be very interesting. Uh, and it's an honor and a privilege for us to have it because it's with the first person ever uh, from the conservative side of the political spectrum who has agreed to come on our show. And uh, we appreciate that very much because it's not always obvious for someone to come on a show that has more of our leaning. Uh, but uh, we, as we mentioned uh, in the introduction, uh, this is not going to be a gotcha interview. So if any of the listeners are there, that. you know, waiting for us to say, aha, you support this and therefore you're an evil person and uh, we must like nail you to a cross. That's not going to happen. We don't do that. So our interview guest is uh, a person who has made the headlines uh, soon after the election. Uh, he's a member of the National Council of the Conservative Party of Canada, first elected in 2018 and recently had his term renewed in March. Um, he, is, he made headlines by starting a petition soon after the election results were out, calling for a review of the leadership of Aaron O'Toole. So that's the context. Uh, lots of things have happened since then, uh, but we will welcome him. Thank you very much, Mr. Bert Chen. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Indeed. No, absolutely. Happy to chat to some uh, local guys about uh, politics. Yeah. You've had an eventful few weeks. Yeah, it certainly has been. <laughs> um, why not um, start off uh, with election night comes in, uh, the results are coming in. Um, it's not looking, well, you know, a lot of the seat counts look the same, you know, 40 seats mm -hmm. did change, you know, uh, occupants. So, I mean, there is some real change in parliament, but for the end result in terms of who runs government and we have a minority parliament with, you know, where the liberal government can play on one or two other parties to get a majority. So the situation seems pretty much the same. Um, what prompted you, what were you feeling at that moment and what prompted you to say that, yeah, this is enough. We have to go now. Well, you know, I've been hearing the uh, concerns from the Conservative Party's members, uh, volunteers and supporters and, and you know, previous voters uh, since since uh, about uh, earlier this spring. Um, the concerns came uh, first with uh, the change in the position on carbon tax, um, you know, and then it was evident uh, throughout the election campaign that, uh, you know, I, I was out in about a dozen different ridings, you know, in uh, Canada Carlton for one, which is always a, a very prime seat that the Conservatives uh, strategically want to win. That's um, <clears throat> sorry? Mr. Polyev's seat, right? No, uh, Canada Carlton is now obviously Jenna Suds. 
uh, where Karen McCribbin had had retired. Um, And then I was in the GTA as well in uh, in York region. Mm -hmm. So look at the seats, very close seat last time, Richmond Hill. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was also in Markham Unionville. Um, I've uh, known uh, members on on the uh, campaign there for, for several years now. And then uh, was also out in uh, ridings um, more closer to the Halton and uh, Hamilton side of things. And, and these are all seats that the Conservatives need to win if they want to form even a minority government. And it became evident that we were not going to pick up those seats. And the impression that I had heard at door is that no, you know, even though they are not happy with Mr. Trudeau, uh, they're also not impressed with Mr. O'Toole mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the, some of them, particularly in the Chinese community in York region, felt very turned off by by Mr. O'Toole and the Conservative Party. Was there anything that they were saying specifically that, I mean, other than, for example, carbon tax and, yeah, mm-hmm. I think Mayor Nenshi had also made the comment that uh, Mr. O'Toole going very hard on China did turn off a lot of the Chinese community because culturally it's more, it's not as obvious here that mm-hmm. a comment about the country does not, is not reflect upon the people. I think the typical conservative votes conservative because of the stereotypes of conservatives want to cut taxes. Mm-hmm. Conservatives want to grow the economy. Conservatives care about the fiscal situation of the country mm-hmm. and conservatives uh, want to keep streets safe. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those narratives stopped, uh, stopped being associated with the conservatives. The second that uh, the budget came out very aggressively, I'm sorry, the uh, proposed uh, budget came out very aggressively uh, and would have cost even more than um, the liberal plan in some parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the inconsistencies on on things such as conscience rights, um, regardless of your position on it. I think in the end, it's people weren't sure what the position was. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, with uh, gun control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we like to say that there are four C's when you're, you know, talking politics. You've got clarity, coherence, consistency, and constancy, and that seemed to be lacking across the positions. Absolutely, rather wishy-washy to say the least. Exactly, you know. And colloquially, I I, I knocked on one door um, where I ended up talking to someone who uh, who was an acquaintance. Uh, it, it ended up. And uh, he was telling me that uh, because of the pandemic, he picked up a new hobby, and that's uh, airsoft, um, airsoft rifles. Okay. And and uh, you know he was he was supporting the conservatives because of our position in uh, in overturning the liberal executive order on on gun control, mm-hmm. uh, which included the banning of airsoft rifles. You know, these are these are basically BB guns. Yeah, they are. And uh, the fact that uh, uh, Mr. O'Toole flip flopped in the last week. Um, I happened to knock on his door a, a day after, and he said, "Nope, you lost my vote." Mm-hmm. Mm, yep. Well, yeah. I mean, I can, yeah. I can see we we on this show because we come from we're coming at it from a different side of the political sure. So the reason one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because we found it interesting that we noticed the same things mm-hmm. uh, over our election coverage. We've been making these comments, and uh, and we've been seeing. Uh, it as a bad thing on both sides. Uh, one for traditional conservative voters. Uh, I think it would be fair to say that you describe yourself as a true blue. 
I, I would. I mean, I think, you know, that's just a label. I would say yes. I, I've always been a conservative. Yes. I've always adhered to the tenets of what the conservative party has stood for. But, you know, it, you, you want to talk about, uh, you know, labels. I, I think I'm actually quite progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I uh, certainly believe in climate change. You know, my day job requires me to, uh, is actually tackling climate change. Um you know, I obviously as a as a person of color as an immigrant, mm-hmm. you know, I'm open to more immigration. Absolutely. So I, I think yeah. uh, you know, everyone is welcome in the conservative party, and and that's that's the that's the fact. It's just uh, how do you identify yourself on particular policy points or how you live your life? I think um, you know transcends how you believe politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. From and you could correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to me that your position is based that that based on the way that Mr. O'Toole ran for the leadership versus Mr. McKay, and compared to the way that he campaigned, mm-hmm. we have two different people. We had a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or multiple personality thing going on. I think it's exactly the consistency or lack thereof um, in such a short time period that. Uh, I, I think is is uh, contrary to what conservative members voted for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also ultimately, uh, you know, from a political communication standpoint, um, unfathomable, unfathomable that this can be uh, this can be tolerated. Yeah, that's, that's malpractice almost. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a legal term, but uh, I, well, I think my, it, my background is as a communication strategist, and I'm watching this go by, and I'm saying like, this is. No, I'm just like no girl. No. I would say it's certainly frowned upon. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, if it were my shop, there would have been people fired. Yeah, I think um, you know you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, in the last two weeks um, of the people that provided me feedback, you know, I'm getting it from both sides. People who who staunchly continue to support Mr. O'Toole, and obviously those who uh, who want to see him gone. Um, but even for those who staunchly support Mr. O'Toole, I ask them, okay, so what should be, you know, who should be held accountable for all of this? And they all say, oh, he needs to fire those closest around him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'll admit, let's let the uh, review process, uh, you know, the, the campaign review process uh, unfold. But if that's what Mr. O'Toole's staunchest supporters are saying, that uh, you know someone needs to be held accountable, if not the leader himself, but those around him, then I think the leader needs to listen to that as well. Because mm-hmm. what we had noticed, however, when we were commenting at first, was the difference between Mr. O'Toole, who campaigned for the leadership against Mr. Shear, and the Mr. O'Toole, who suddenly became true blue new leader mm-hmm. with a new approach between in that year and a half or 18 months or time between Mr. Shear and, and Mr. McKay. And we were wondering how is it that this person has seemingly changed a lot of his values in that short of period of time. And then he's done it again. So at our end, we were sitting there. It's like the people who were more true blue and wanted that version of O'Toole, mm-hmm. were they not paying attention between O'Toole of, campaigning versus sheer versus McKay, because that was a, the the alarm bells went off for us then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, the ultimate thing about what Mr. O'Toole ran on in 2020 
and calling himself True Blue. And, and you'll see this in the video where he's basically ra- walking around Majors Hill Park um, and speaking to the camera is he's going to fight back against cancel culture. He's going to fight back against, um, you know, a lot of these things that are happening, such as, uh, you know, the, the discussion about uh, Mr. Uh, <laughs> our, our first prime minister, Sir John A. Macdonald mm-hmm. and, and, and the controversy around that. And, uh, you know, in that leadership race, uh, he was, uh, you know, behind his, you know, obviously because most of it was virtual, um, you know, in his backdrop, you clearly see that there was a, uh, I guess, a figurine of, uh, of Sir John A behind him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would, it would seem clear that he was someone that would be willing to defend his, uh, his legacy. But, uh, you know, on something simple as that, uh, you know, that, that wasn't the case throughout the campaign, arguably, you know, we didn't talk much about reconciliation for any party on the campaign uh, mm-hmm. or, or the legacy of our forefathers there. But um, I think I, I think that's what Mr. O'Toole at the very core tried to win votes off of was he's going to fight back against all of this on the conservative mm-hmm. side. Um, but he, he did, did not, nothing of the sort in campaign. Yeah, it seems like the first thing that he canceled was his own platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. First and last thing. Yeah. And yeah, first and last thing. And the, the thing that we've noticed is that in a campaign where, I mean, in a campaign, you can put the leader up front or you could put the party and the team and the policies up front. And this was clearly a campaign where we put the leader up front because he put himself on the cover Absolutely. of the platform. Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, that's maybe a nature of, of a COVID campaign. Yes, um, but uh, absolutely, you know, Mr. O'Toole's rebranded the Conservative Party first, uh, almost immediately after he was elected. A change in the party logo. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that made it look a little bit like the Royal Canadian Air Force logo. A bit. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not a trademark lawyer, but uh, I think it looks. Um, you know, it, it certainly is an improvement uh, over what has been. It's a nicer year. one, yes, for, for almost 20 years. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's modernized for sure. Right. Yeah, it's cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful logo. It's just almost did someone wear it better first. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for a break. Hello kids. It's Mr. Grizzly, your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear who's asking you how much you like this program. And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you, if you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, the reason we ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko dash fi.com backslash eager beaver dollar two dollars fifty cents whatever whatever you can spare it helps us with our production costs mr beaver that's right mr grizzly Uh, if you go to our coffee page the recommended donation is three dollars but it can really be anything you want um less or more if you happen to like this show especially um we reinvest uh, in the show. Uh, as you can tell, uh, the sound quality has improved. Uh, 
since uh, episode one. And, uh, you know, we want to see where this show can go. Uh, hopefully we can maybe get some correspondence uh, one day, um, maybe film it uh, for YouTube. Uh, if uh, you guys have any suggestions of what you'd like to see the show become, of course, those are always welcome uh, because, you know, we do this for you. Um, so, yeah, uh, every little bit helps. And of course, if you can't afford anything and you just like the show, then please, you know, that's quite all right send us some comments let us know what you think of it uh that means just as much to us too and don't forget the website www.ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver thanks eh here um so we know that the there's this is the reason and then you started the petition okay we have to go now uh and this petition was outside party circles right i believe it was a change.org petition Mm-hmm. So part of the reason, part of the reason I chose change.org is, uh, you know, it's an open platform. Okay. But uh, it's also, uh, it's also unbottable. Oh, okay. uh, meaning that, uh, you know, you know, we, we all see these online votes and online polls and yes, all yes. you have to do is refresh or type in a fake email. But uh, the great thing about change.org is that it, it does tie each email to only one signature. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So then why would, why ask the general public rather than strictly just party members first? Well, no one has access to the membership list of the conservative party. Did they lock it down? Um, I mean, it was locked down after, right after the election, but uh, oh. re- regardless of that, um, you know, and that's typical practice after each election. Oh, okay. Understood. Um, it's just, you know, e- even as a national council, I wouldn't have access to all the members across the country. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't have the contact information if that were the case. I may have names and, and maybe mailing address or mailing addresses, uh, but I wouldn't have their emails. I wouldn't have their phone numbers. Um, and it's certainly not for all 338 ridings. Okay. So you have to cast a wider net. Um, and then, you know, with the rolling wave of, of expiries and all that, uh, or those in the grace period uh, before they're renewing, uh, you just got to cast a wide net. And then, um, you know, when an official petition period starts, uh, the, the hope is that the party will provide the means to verify uh, who's a member and who's not. Cross check, yeah, because I was wondering uh, what you know. What about? I mean, this mm-hmm. is politics, you know, and we know the TikTok generation. I mean, you know, if they can upset a Trump event, then there's a lot of people who could cause trouble and say, "Yeah, yeah we want a review." Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> We're not conservatives. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, the the petition is starting, and uh, it got some pretty decent response to start with. I think there was like 1,500 signatures in the first day. And then I think I heard another interview with you later on saying that you were at least at about 4,000 now. Uh, yeah. So uh, last I checked, was it's over 5,100. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not negligible. No, it's not. I think um, the, the significance of this uh, is uh, that around the same day that this petition was launched, um, a petition was launched, uh, I support Aaron O'Toole. Mm-hmm. And I think as a comparison, uh, that petition, again, also on change.org. Okay, so um, similar verifications yeah. and all that. 
Exactly. Has also been, uh, you know, spoken about in the media uh, on, albeit, uh, uh, albeit uh, fewer um, media channels. Um, it, it's gotten, uh, I believe, uh, less than half of uh, the signatures that I have. Mm. Interesting. That's telling. Yeah. It, it certainly is, especially in comparison, right? I mean, and and look, there's there's liberals, uh, notably like uh, S- Scott Reed, uh, Prime Minister Paul Martin's uh, former uh, former uh, assistant, that uh, has come out and saying that yes, no, I, uh, he he thinks that Aaron O'Toole uh, should stay as Conservative leader. So m- maybe someone like him, who's not a Conservative, may have also signed the other side, right? E- equally uh, equally as much as um, those who who may not be Conservatives and sign mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good fair point. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, tepid would be kind. I think so. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Mr. O'Toole's support is definitely, um, despite his claims of the Conservative Party being united, um, it is certainly not united around his leadership. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, do do you not feel? And I'm, I might be going out on a bit of a limb here, but do you not feel that there's like two factions of the current Conservative Party? There's the Reformers from the Canadian Alliance and Reform Party that are now, you know, ensconced in in the membership of the Conservative Party, but they're very extreme right right wing and less progressive, and has kind of split the party in that sense. I would say that, I mean, you want to talk about factions in any party. There, there's mm-hmm. definitely more than two. Oh, yeah, of course, uh, of course. There's definitely more than two. I, I think um, the reform, the the legacy reform party that merged into, uh, that merged into the first the Canadian alliance and now into the uh, conservative party, uh, you have to remember the, these people were, were are, are of the boomer generation. Yes. For one. Um, they, they are primarily out in Western Canada and, mm-hmm. and I think a rural, uh, rural Ontario and, you know, because of their demographics, I think they've, they largely subsided a lot because of one, just, just aging out, mm-hmm. but also two, you know, we know that millennials are now the largest, uh, voting cohort, um, demographically. And I think that's also reflected in the Conservative Party. But, you know, colloquially, the feedback that I've gotten, actually, um, it, it, it's almost very largely my supporters are uh, people under 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they like accountability. Um, they're typically millennials. They're living in uh, urban centers. Mm-hmm. Um, mixed with uh, mixed with people who who really believe in a strong grassroots democracy um, that uh, I think what the report form party stood for, mm-hmm. and then compared to the people who have who've largely um, attacked my position um, are, are 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 more elderly one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without betraying any confidences, are known uh, associate uh, known to be associated with the previous uh, Progressive Conservative Party, mm-hmm. and uh, actually, uh, you know, live in more rural areas. Mm-hmm. So, 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 using this just the colloquial evidence of maybe the hundred or so emails that have come to me directly, mm-hmm. um, I, I would say that uh, you know the Conservative Party is diverse. 
but the split amongst uh, Mr. Ogle's uh, continued leadership is actually you're seeing um, you're seeing the old guard rally around him, who maybe just want to see a conservative government, even if it's in name only. Um, you know, uh, at some point in the rest of their lives, while younger Canadians. Um, you know, we want to talk about the generational gap. Younger Canadians uh, typically are more outspoken, are typically more, um, you know, they value integrity. Mm-hmm. They value, um, you know, they value, uh, they value be- being outspoken as well and defending their rights um, more so than I would say previous uh, generations that, you know, it was very much, um, you know, let's play along the get along and and uh, keep your head low and and let's focus on our jobs and our families yeah that that, that would be me generation x <laughs> the latch i didn't key. want to make any assumptions no no no, no. I'm, f- I'm 53 we're the latch key generation and uh, yeah, so keep your I'm head down in the middle and do your too, job. Yeah, yeah i know i i i, I believe, yeah i yeah, I, I have a foot in both camps, right? You know, sometimes you got to work within the system to make it happen. Sometimes you just got to put your foot down and say, I said no. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, that's one of the things I, one of the things I admire about the, the, the younger generations is that absolutely a little more, a little more of, no, I said no. Yeah. Right? Like the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the children are meant to be seen and not heard thing is. Uh, throw that out. Throw that out. Yeah. Throw that out. <laughs> Well, I, I, um, I work with a lot of millennials and Gen Z, and um, I learn from them every day, and, and I'm open to learning from them, whereas uh, a lot of the boomer generation, like you said, Douglas, uh, kids should be seen and not heard. I don't believe that at all, because you can learn from anybody at any time if you're willing and open to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. And I find with Gen Z and, and the millennial generation, I've I've learned a great deal, and it's helped me become more assertive because again, as generation X, we're very lax, laid back, passive, keep your head down, do your job and, you know, try not to rock the boat. Whereas, uh, the younger generation is like, no, we're not going to accept mediocrity. We're not going to accept, uh, um, you know, uh, the terrible things that our previous generations did. And now it's time for a break. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, little... I did too. Awesome. Bedside reading. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smartassy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered, and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss V and the Letras Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by Ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available, or call your local library and ask them to get it in. 
Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing, all in one word, dot com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. I wanted to... So this is now all happening. The ball is rolling. A couple of weeks go by. And then all of a sudden, plot twist, uh, the tables turn on you. Uh, which uh, when we noticed that, we thought that's not cool. Uh, because yeah. our assumption is if this is big tent party and some person sees things a different way, the first instance shouldn't be, oh, well, we're going to threaten your position within the party. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's almost like that, the political version of what happened to Naomi Osaka at the French Open, right? I need, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to like take a little time to do something. I was like, oh yeah, well, maybe we won't let you participate in any Grand Slams for the rest of it. Mm. It's like, it's like um, I'm having questions about our leaders, you know, obvious flip-flops. I mean, the guy went into hiding for the last five days. That's never good. That mm-hmm. should prompt a leadership review when a campaign doesn't have a finish. It was almost like there was like 95% of the campaign designed like this. And when somebody was, and when you put your policy up out front early and give people 34 days to scrutinize it and put yourself on the cover is, and plan to run as a moderate, but insert within the policy, the winks and the nudges like this, to the more the other side of the ring, uh, other side of the spectrum, and within your party, your other wing within the party that cares about conscience rights, that cares about uh, gun rights, that cares about immigration, that cares about all these things, and basically saying, okay, in my platform, wink, wink, I've got this for you, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to run as this, I'm not going to talk about it. Someone's going to ask you about it if you give them 34 days to look at it. Exactly. The seeds, this was planted in right from the get-go. This was just like a time release thing that as a strategist, personally, when you're looking at the platform, I don't know how you could have read that platform before it went to print and and figure out that there's no way these three things are are not going to explode on us like time release grenades at some point during the campaign. Hmm. Well, that's why for me, the malpractice is like just it's Hmm. right there. It was the same thing like the NDP campaign that Tom Mulcair run when he declared his support for the Sherbrooke Declaration to protect Fortress Quebec. There's no way you're going to sell that in the rest of Canada and Saskatchewan and Alberta and mm-hmm. D.C. where you need seats. You've just sown the seeds of the defeat, your defeat in the election right into your platform right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, to distill what you've said in all of that, uh, it's actually very uh, telling um, the whole strategy uh, with um, the fact that they were they were not able to foresee uh, what you mentioned in terms of, oh, these are going to be potential issues by printing it into the platform released on day one. Over the next exactly. I, but I also on TV saying that we walked into liberal traps. These weren't liberal traps. Mm-hmm. Aaron O'Toole put these things in the platform. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Liberal didn't make him do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to tie it with uh, what you said about maybe the t- tables turning on myself I think, look, uh, National Councils uh, is a very diverse group. It's it intended to be a diverse group, uh, mm-hmm. representative of the whole country. As it you should know, be. You know, it, it uh, regionally won, but also culture, uh, also, uh, you know, from demographics. So we have a lot of women. We have 
Uh, you know, I think the youngest counselor is uh, in her late twenties, um, and the eldest counselor, uh, I think, is probably in their seventies. Okay. So you know, it's it's, di- it's diverse, just like the House of Commons itself, and. Um, you know, it was clear that uh, one of uh, one of my one of my fellow counselors also appeared in media and made his opinions known. Uh, and he said that it was all right to lose a uh, lose a couple seats out west to try to pick up in Quebec. You know, and uh, you know, with that kind of uh, with that kind of uh, you know public statement, um, I felt that okay, well, you know, since uh, we're all speaking to the media. Um, you know, it's fair that uh, the the bulk of the membership in, in Canada being in Ontario, uh, someone should come out and represent what uh, what they're all thinking, which is that uh-huh. someone needs to be held to account earlier than 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can agree with that in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were agog. That, that's all I can say is we were agog. Mm-hmm. That we just these to me these are these are amateur mistakes um what happens now like for you i know that there's something around uh, october 26th or something like that there's uh no, there's a there is a national council meeting um in uh in a few days in a, in a week's time actually and uh you know that'll be an opportunity for for all counselors to to gather around in person which is the first time that we've been able to do this um uh since the since the pandemic and you know the the leader will be there uh, himself uh as uh you know as uh, an ex officio member of national council and uh, I'm sure that there's a lot on the agenda. There's a lot of working business, obviously, but also, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a discussion about uh, about uh, what I've said and uh, advocated for, and uh, what happens going forward. I think, you know, in in many ways, it will be another mini caucus meeting, similar to what happened uh, this week, uh, where MPs and senators from the Conservative Party all gathered, uh, all gathered on the hill to. To uh, to discuss and pass those reform act measures. Okay, and the, is this a serious threat to your position, or is uh, this just sort well, of well? I'll, I'll put it this maybe way. Catch you in line, or I'll put it this way. I think um, you know when when the president of the Conservative Party spoke to media. Uh, I believe it was as recent as last week. Um, which I have, which I have largely stopped doing, just out of um, you know, uh, I have nothing new to add at this point. Yeah, uh, it it demonstrated what the communications uh, industry said is the the Streisand effect. Mm. And uh, you know, mind explaining that, for our listeners? Yes. So uh, you know, I'm not the expert here, but uh, from my understanding, the Streisand effect uh, started when Barbara Streisand. Uh, had a uh, sorry some news outlet had published a photo of Barbara Streisand's uh, beach house in California, mm-hmm. and she started suing uh, to to have it uh, deleted, have it blocked. Uh, I mean, this is before the days of social media, mm-hmm. but it resulted in more attention uh, being attracted to it because everyone wanted to see what Barbara Streisand's house is. Um, and this is now what we dub as the Streisand effect. 
And effectively what Mr. Baffin, who's a communications professional himself, mm-hmm. um, did by speaking to CBC saying that, uh, you know, I may be removed from council is that day, um, my, uh, th- this petition got 1500 signatures. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. So on the point of, <laughs> do I fear my, do I feel about, do I worry about my position? Um, look, I think, I think. Um, the rule is that two thirds of national council must vote to remove me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've obviously spoken to my peers and I believe I, you know, I, I certainly believe that there are those who defend my right to speak, uh, to speak on behalf of my constituents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this, uh, if I am removed, the first thing that's going to happen is, uh, all the media outlets are going to start inquiring as to why I was removed. Well, absolutely. Yes. That's the obvious follow-up question, yeah. the painfully obvious follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I I see I'm not I'm not cool with that. No. I'm not cool with that. I mean, you're It just seems to me that uh, and when you put it in the context that caucus gave us gave itself the right when they every year you vote on the reform act whether or not you're going to institute all of the clauses and caucus gave itself its right for the first mm-hmm. time for any leader of the conservative party of canada to review the leadership before the date mm-hmm. granted themselves that right so clearly there must be i don't i don't see why you prepare the terrain excuse the expression just for shits and giggles mm-hmm. so there's why are you being silenced if there was absolutely no if they had passed on that mm-hmm. okay i could see okay this is one guy standing up he's getting everybody's backs up we're making trouble okay you know he's not rowing in the same direction as all the team but this is not what's going on mm-hmm. i think that it also only speaks to you know what i what i have done in speaking to the media uh, again, I'm not the first counselor to to speak to the media. It was my colleague in Quebec that said it was okay to trade seats. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before that, there was it was taboo for for council, which is a very you know behind the scenes uh, entity of the Conservative Party, mm-hmm. to be in the media. And I mean that was an initial shock for a lot of a lot of uh, current and past counselors. Um, I think, but when you add in the context that, okay, this, you know, this is now becoming known that counselors are making their opinions known to, to Canadians as a whole, then, um, and the fact that there's in the absence of any rule prohibiting counselors from speaking to the media, uh, you know, where does that leave us? Um, you know, I, I could see, and I think it might actually be a good thing that council passes uh, amendments to its current code of conduct regarding how to handle the media regarding public statements. Um, I think that would be a good thing, but since all of that uh, would be in the future, it certainly can't uh, apply to uh, apply retroactively. Hmm. Okay. I want to ask you, I want to segue because on this show uh, we talk about democracy being something you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to segue to your involvement with the National Council and how you know people uh, who would like to get involved in politics would do that because I'm sure there's lots of listeners that turn around and say, "Oh well, how do you get on the National Council?" Mm-hmm. 
But I did have one little question about this. It's not a gotcha question, but it could seem like it. But if you trust me, you'll see where I'm going with this. All right. Uh, I was watching uh, an interview with you uh, on CPAC uh, where you were asked um, if Aaron O'Toole had won, would you have started the petition that quickly as well? Or would you have, he didn't imply this, but let's say I'm, I'm going to add this, or would you have waited three, four, five, six months to see how he performs and then? So part of why I did it is is a nuance of the Conservative Party constitution. Okay. Um, in, in it, it clearly states that uh, in every election where the Conservatives do not form government, at the next convention, um, an opportunity will be provided to the delegates at the convention to review, uh, to, to say whether they would like to review the leadership. Mm-hmm. That's not before 2023 though, right? Right, that's the next scheduled convention. However, because of the wording of of does not form government, mm-hmm. if Mr. O'Toole had won, ah. then this question wouldn't be proposed at the next, in 2023 either. You wouldn't be able to, okay. Yes, yes. It, would, it would be, so, it would not be an option. So therefore the question is moot. Exactly. Okay. So, But that be, doesn't stop party people. From... No, it, it, it doesn't. <laughs> would you have stood out publicly? I think if, uh, again, I represent my constituents, mm-hmm. if Mr. O'Toole were the prime minister designate um, mm-hmm. on, on October 21st, he, uh, I, I think the constituents that I represent being the party members of the Conservative Party um, would more likely be willing to wait, let him form government, let him govern, mm-hmm. and, and see how that goes. Okay. Clearly, that was not the case. You know, I'm representing my constituents. If anybody's asking you about you personally, my advice, <laughs> unsolicited <laughs> advice as a communications person, is to say yes. Okay. Absolutely. Unequivocally, don't wait. You stuck your neck out this far. Mm-hmm. I, now, yes, you're representing your constituents. Yes. But your constituents and views happen to dovetail with your own on this one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So just to avoid any type of flack that can come up after, it's like, yes, you are representing your constituents and you have to do that. But personally, it's like, yes, absolutely. Because as you're saying, it's a matter of integrity. Absolutely. Like, even if he had won, he would have won on a platform that was not on the one that he promised you. Mm-hmm. He would run. And he would flight. be in a situation like this, you, you would have another PR situation where you would be in a situation where now does Mr. O'Toole fight to implement the platform on which he ran? Mm-hmm. Or does he now have to make a hard tack to the right again yes. and abandon those in order to preserve his position? Because in, in the Westminster system, right, like a mm-hmm. caucus can overthrow its leader. Yes. I guess we've seen it in Australia a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. So. So, and when you put it to what I'm, th- what I'm, what I'm talking about is trying to game these situations out, right? Had he won, what would have happened? Had he lost, what would have happened? Because it seems that one of the problems in our estimation with the Conservative Party of Canada has been the association with it as having a hidden agenda, right? And Mr. Shear didn't help that. 
in the last election because we found out during the election campaign that maybe his employment history as an insurance person wasn't exactly as he had represented. We had found out that he did have dual citizenship and this after him criticizing people like Mikhail Jean mm-hmm. for also having to, it's, if you are if you have done it, are doing it, or have plans to do it, don't criticize it (laughs) (laughs) because it's going to come back on you. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we didn't feel we knew who he was. And because we did know that he was more true blue on issues of abortion and same-sex marriage, but would not say it, Mm -hmm. it gave the impression of something to hide. Over here, we have Mr. O'Toole, who ran as a moderate in the vein of McKay and Michael Chong in his first leadership race, run more as true blue, defined that as however he, I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers, defined as however he defines it, because he knew he needed to get the support of uh, Miss Lewis and uh, Mr. Sloan, was it? Like this in order because there was a, it was a four member race. I mean, if you're going to be strategic like this, if you've got two moderates, you've got two people that are more social conservative, you know, and you're trying to take out the other moderate, well, then you got to make a deal with the social conservatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wind, I mean, that's, that's just logic. There's no other path. Uh, but by flip-flopping and then flip-flopping again, it just gives the impression to Canadians because conservatives need a base of people that are prepared to vote conservative to begin with, right? Will you even consider voting conservative? And it looked a bit to those of us who would be more suspicious or more cynical, mm-hmm. like a Trojan horse campaign. Mm-hmm. I guess I was like, I'm, I'm really a moderate, but I'm going to run as a true blue to run the leadership. Now I can't win the, I can't win prime ministership if I'm running as a true blue. So I'm going to run as a moderate, but then when I win, I'm going to attack back to true blue to save my job. It is. If this guy is still the leader and goes into the next election, who's going to believe the next incarnation of the personality that he presents? I think you're damaged goods. You're absolutely right. You know, I, I think it's actually quite um, coincidental that, uh, you know, after a caucus meeting, Mr. O'Toole announced the uh, the campaign review process and he called it, it's going to be a full 360 review. Smart PR move, but. No, it, it, I think it's quite funny that you, you, the terminology is full 360. You know, that that's. that's Except for you. Who they're well, trying I, to get I, I think, I think <laughs> a lot of people reach out. I think it's funny because. Um, in his flip flopping, he's done 180s, mm-hmm. yeah. and you and it, does that mean he's going to do another 180 and bring it back full 360? I expect Sir to Soleil to send him a contract because the, <laughs> yeah, the passes yeah, are amazing. exactly, exactly. <sighs> uh, you know, all these turns, um, you know, it's uh, exactly with each with each 180 degree turn, um, it uh, it leads to uh, less credibility. Mm-hmm. It leads to, um, you know, with, with less credibility comes less trust and less consistency. And I think even for Canadians who say vote on vested interests, um, you know, like from a clear rational perspective, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, for the industries they work in or, or something they're passionate about, um, seeing inconsistency in communication means, okay, well, why would I take that risk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, it. you, you absolutely know. Again, clarity, coherence, constancy, consistency. Exactly. <sighs> and now it's time for a break. Hi, this is Mr. Grizzly. 
telling you that, um, well, I don't have hands. I have paws and claws. But if I had hands, I'd be more than happy to wash them. And if a mask would fit over my giant snout, I'd be happy to wear it. But I live in the woods and climb trees for a living and eat salmon on occasion. You don't do that, so please, wash your hands, wear a mask, and remember to stay two meters apart. And if two meters is complicated, that's about the length of two hockey sticks on average. We good? All right. We seg. (laughs) (laughs) That was not smooth, but hey, this is how we do. Um, You're a member of the National Council. Surely your interest in politics must have started at somehow what sparked it and what um, seeks to go up. Yeah. So uh, what I would tell everyone here is, uh, you know, the great thing about our country, and that's regardless of whichever political party is in power, um, whatever level of government, it's um, very, very easy to get involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Um I got involved uh, because in high school uh, you need a certain number of volunteer hours to get to, um, to, to get your high school diploma. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, grew up in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia, which is a very solid conservative country. Yep. And it was, uh, it was the lead up to the 2006 election and the we charity came to my school and from from then they called it they called it me to we at that point mm-hmm. and uh, they encouraged us all to volunteer with them and uh you know i i'm glad i made the choice of rather knocking on doors with my local conservative mp okay <laughs> so you know why for, did you for that? So, sorry why did you opt for that there must have been some appeal uh you know i i i felt turned off of uh, it felt very culty the uh, whole uh, inspirational speeches that the we charity engaged on to kind of rally you mm-hmm. um, you know they talk about build schools in africa i was like well if i'm not going to africa i'm picking up trash on the street like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> um that and then you know also you know i was always interested in uh, in history and in politics so when the election came around and remember 2006 is is really the turning point when uh, um 13 years of liberal rule was coming to an end mm-hmm. and the liberals were caught up in the gomer inquiry and and the sponsorship scandal <laughs> exactly uh, mm-hmm. they did uh so so uh i rode that wave um i moved to um ottawa for for my undergrad uh you know study politics got involved uh volunteering on the hill and working full-time eventually and uh you know that's that's been my involvement uh you know you start you start from the ground level on local campaign just get to know your local candidate or your local mp or your local riding board and um you know make your way through that and, and so since now i've been involved i guess it's been 15 years and oh, wow. yeah it's, it's yeah about half my life and and uh you know I, I i'm privileged to be elected to the highest governing body on the conservative party mm-hmm. uh but at the same time you know this is something that's open to anybody mm-hmm. so from knocking on doors to deciding to throw your hat on the ring, hat in the ring to run for the council. Was, you know, uh, so, so the national council is, like I said, the highest governing board. Uh, there 
in each of the 338 ridings, there are local boards. And, you know, there's a lot of vacancies on a lot of these uh, ridings. And I got involved uh, in, in the local ridings uh, probably about 10 plus years ago. So, like I said, that's there's always vacancies there and it's really just going to the next level. Okay. So, uh, what was the race like once you threw your name in? So, so uh, we're elected at each convention, which happens about every two years. Okay. And Ontario is always a hotly contested place because per capita and per riding, um, we have the lowest number of councillors. Uh, there's four councillors for 121 ridings. Oh my. Compare that to Nunavut with one councillor, PEI with one councillor, and, you know, and so on. Quebec has three, Alberta and BC have two each. That's our formula. Okay. Um, so in the larger provinces, it becomes much more contested because you just have a larger pool of people who uh, want to come in. So uh, in a way, it's like, a, you know, it's like a class president election. Okay. Uh, the delegates uh, in Ontario, uh, in Halifax, are about 800. And it's a preferential ballot. In, um, in uh, this March, virtually, there were 1,300 delegates. So uh, it's really just communicating with them. You know, I made a lot of phone calls, uh, just my personal network, of course. And, you know, any political office, really all it is, is, is getting to know people is making that personal connection. And that's why they say, you know, uh, go door knock. Mm-hmm. 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 So you win, you get your seat. Mm-hmm. What's the work? So the work is like, uh, and this is the parallel. Uh, it, the server party, like any public organization, um, like whether it's a large company or something, the, the National Council acts as the board of directors. Mm-hmm. So we don't get involved in the day-to-day um, although people do reach out to us, uh, you know, on, on the local writing, say, oh, I have this issue. Can you help me with it? Um, and the answer is, of course. Uh, but we review the high level thing. We review how um, operations are going. Uh, we review how the local boards are going. And typically when we deal with local boards, it's because there, there are issues, whether it's interpersonal or legal or, or et cetera. Um, we're the highest authority for membership uh, status. So um, if someone is, you know, caught breaking the law or clearly contrary to constitution of the conservative party or rules, they are removed as a member by the national council. Mm-hmm. Um, we also review the candidacy status of nomination candidates. So the pri- called a primary election for the conservative nominations in each of the 338 ridings. And uh, of course, larger initiatives um, like planning the convention, which involves our policy process and, um, you know, uh, the section about uh, referendums, if it's supposed to happen now and leadership races, if that were to happen as well. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to do. There, it certainly is. Um, You know, it's all, and uh, might I add, this is all volunteer work mm-hmm. yes right. uh, you know it, it probably cost me more money um than yeah. <laughs> to, to, to do all of this uh, just with the travel and all that yes yes uh, be, be, be aware a lot of people out there you know because i know there's a lot of people that think once you get to the council you know you're living it up and it's all these big no, a lot of these the things cost you money to do it's like community theater exactly. <laughs> exactly. you do it because you're you, you uh, believe in it you're passionate and you want to make a difference uh mm-hmm. it's not for a paycheck because you're not getting one right 
No. And, uh, and I mean, time commitment wise, just like any volunteer thing, whether you're volunteering, you know, with, uh, you know, know, whether you're volunteering for a night away or something, the commitment is really what, what you want to put in. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it's about, you know, six hours a week. So what what was it? I'm curious that drew you to um, the conservative party because the conservative party, when you first got involved is uh, markedly different than the one that we have today. What mm-hmm. what was it that brought you into that um, particular brand of politics? So again, I, I grew up in the Fraser Valley, where mm-hmm. it's hard to be anything but a conservative, right, of course. Right. But uh, you know, the demographics are changing out there as well, from my understanding. Uh, my family, uh, my family ran a gas gas station, mm-hmm. um, and you know that was my first job was working for my mom at a gas station. I obviously didn't love it. Uh, but, but uh you know i, I saw it right now yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is completely candid right so right. uh but you know i i saw how hard she worked as a small business owner mm-hmm. yeah. um you know she was lucky she just had me as a kid and and you know i'd relatively grown up by then but um you know i i saw the hard work that small business owners put in um i saw the, like the family values that uh you know it was that you know the, as, a, as a business owner you're dealing with um just petty crimes uh, around around so you know safer streets um the the economic conservatism fiscal conservatism and the conservative party just really being the party of small business at that point which i, I think actually still largely continues to, to this day um, that really reflected my values. My opinions differ uh, on that. Exactly. So, so you know, a lot of people say that you know your your political stripes may be defined by the day you're born, and for me, it almost was just uh, simply because of the you know the, my family and my background, mm-hmm. and knowing that you know also as a gas station, you really uh, you know we weren't talking so much about climate change then. Yeah, but certainly got reflected. Um, you know, I think a decade ago, carbon tax first started getting discussed by Stefan Dion. Um, that okay, no, hold on, like you know, like as someone who who if knows you're working at a gas station, station or you own a gas station, that might be a concern. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> legitimately. Exactly. <laughs> um, well. Uh, we'd like to thank you uh, for having joined us. Uh, we sometimes like to end with our guests with a couple of fun little rapid fire questions, if you would indulge us. Sure. Okay. <laughs> don't um, be, it's, no, no reason to be trepidatious. Again, we don't do gotcha. We don't do that. That's not who we Unders- are. Understood. Nanaimo bars or butter tarts? Nanaimo bars. Mimosas or Caesars? Oh, Caesars. Yes. Stop. Yes, man, my man. <laughs> uh, chocolate ice cream or vanilla? Vanilla. Uh, anything on it? Um, well, the answer is actually strawberry, but uh, vanilla, uh, with, <laughs> vanilla with some chocolate chips might be okay. Okay, okay. Strawberry is the second best flavor. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> In ranked ballots, strawberry would do very well. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, uh, favorite place to go that really reminds you of Canada? Ooh, um, I would say cottage country, just up in uh, near Manawaki. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
That's especially great. at this time of the year, right? This is, yeah. I mean, here downtown Ottawa, the leaves have not changed color in my neighborhood. I'm 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 a block away from Elgin Street. Everything's still green. Go up towards <laughs> Manawaki, all the fall colors are in full bloom. Exactly. Well, bloom not being the correct term because the leaves are dying. But, <laughs> yes, yes. <you> know, <laughs> the leaves are dying. They're not blooming. But yeah. <laughs> have you ever skated on the Rideau Canal? I have. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> hey, you did it. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. And last but not least, favorite Olympian. Ooh. Um, that's a really tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, definitely, um, uh, oh, I can't remember her last name, but Maggie, the swimmer from, uh, Oh God. Yes. yes. Uh, O'Neill. Maggie O'Neill. Yes. Yes. Maggie O'Neill. There we go. Yes. McNeil. 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 Yes. 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 Oh, she rocks. Yes. She's awesome. That was beast mode, what she did. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like she was in seventh place at the turn when she won her gold medal and then rocketed past everyone. Just the um, unexpectedness too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and no, it, she was brilliant. The, the moment where she's in the pool and she's squinting to see the. To yeah. See the, no, she, she, she's just like, no, what is so. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was brilliant. Now, that's classic. We're going to be seeing that on sports reels later, like 10, 15 years from now. Well, and, <laughs> and I think we'll see her back in the next Olympics, right? With Penny and the rest of that team because they're yeah. so young. They're the, so young. They're in their prime. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely. In, they're in their prime. Well, so. Maggie's what, 21? Penny, I think, is twenty. It's like, oh, they're <laughs> they haven't peaked yet. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Not these days, especially. God, no, no, exactly. Well, Bert, thank you so very much for coming on our show. Uh, we hope you had a wonderful experience. If you did, tell your friends. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love more people to come back. We're like, we're we're like I said we're we're open to, to hearing all perspectives. Just because we believe in one thing doesn't mean that uh, we can't have a, a wonderful time getting to know uh, other people. It's a beautiful country, and we believe that everybody here, for the most part, is generally pretty nice. So, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, we, we like to think so. Conversations without like going nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, best luck with the show. Thank yes. you. And and uh, best of luck to you. And uh, if ever you uh, want to come back or if you have more to say, uh, you have a home here. We would be really uh, honored and privileged to have you back. Thanks. Hey, take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Hello, kids. Um, we have an interview update for you, Mr. Beaver. If you would please. Thank you, Mr. Grizzly. And indeed we do. Uh, Kits, this interview with Mr. Chen was recorded on Saturday, October 9th, and uh, we're releasing it today on the 16th. Since then, uh, a CBC article has come out on the 14th, so two days ago, stating that Mr. Chen has been suspended from the party council for a period of 60 days, according to party president Rob Batherson. Um he will a uh, committee will be investigating his conduct to see whether he acted in a way that could negatively impact the party's reputation or that of the leader of the party <sighs> so yeah uh dissenting voices uh, get silenced mr grizzly um well tony soprano type tactics maybe <laughs> Well, you know, 
we say often, you know, that little bit of phrase that we bought from uh, the show we consider our mother show, The Daily Beans, like the mafia, but without the loyalty. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, <laughs> he only said true things. That's right. He didn't make anything up. There were no lies told. There were no lies. He's just stating what we can all see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We hope you enjoyed that, uh, kids. Uh, it was an interesting experience for us. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, more members of the Conservative Party will want to come on our show uh, because uh, everyone is welcome. That's right. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver, Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation, and copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. And once again, thank you to Mr. Bert Chen for agreeing to be our guest this week. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.